Now, a couple of weeks ago, my next guest joined me on the programme and we were speaking about cruelty to animals and she got extremely upset. But during that conversation, she said, I'm going to come back to you, Keith, and I'm going to have something for you very soon in relation to um, stopping this cruelty and, and working through the cruelty that uh, is being perpetrated on dogs on an ongoing basis. So effectively, they're, they're launching two campaigns uh, today, uh, but I'm joined on the line now by Maureen Fiddler, who joins me uh, from Madra Galway, and she joins me on the line. Uh, Maureen, good morning to you. Hi, Keith. Thanks so, for inviting me back again. No problem. But out of a disaster that we found ourselves in a few weeks ago, uh, just a week, a week and a bit ago, uh, with all the dogs that have been abandoned and all of that, uh, you've come up uh, working with the councils. You've come up with a unique scheme uh, that you're going to roll out across the uh, county. Yeah, well, rescue people are nothing if not resilient and we have come back fighting and um, I've, 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 the only way to keep our sanity is to feel that we can make a difference Hi, and uh, prevent this, this from happening. Um, constantly mopping up the the um, result of carelessness and overbreeding is just not, it, it just can't continue, you know. So we're, we've got this new initiative that we're hoping to launch now. Now, you did say to me that um, neutering was very important and that if the farming community, and you, you, sing, you singled out the farming community, if they don't want litters of pups coming on an ongoing basis to have their dogs neutered from there. But you're taking a step here in association with the County Council and the Department of Agriculture in relation to neutering. Yeah, so um, uh, a lot of rescues get an, uh, a Department of Agriculture grant every year and this year our a grant drive normally goes to normal running costs, you know, but we've actually just said we're going to put the whole grant, which is best part of €29,000, into Millie's Fund in, in honour of this little pup that died. I got so upset about it last week. Um, she was dumped and had died because she'd been eating stones and it had killed her. She was mm. so, so hungry. Anyway, so um, the county council are on board um, and we are going to have to prioritise some breeds, the breeds that we see most coming in with pups, which would be collies, farm dogs, lurchers, or mixes of these dogs and and terriers. Um, but non specific, we, we will t accept applications from other breeds as well. But it just would be they would be the ones we prioritise. And how how will you get the? I mean. Will you get some of the perpetrators of the crime that we spoke about last week and the, the cruelty aspects of it, will you get to those or will it only be when the dogs come to your attention that you will be in a position to neuter them? From no, we're, we're going to roll out a campaign. We're contacting every single vet in County Galway and some of the borders with Mayo and that. They'll all be getting an email uh, probably tomorrow or Monday asking them for their their to join up with this scheme. The County Council are going to sponsor a certain amount of dogs that come from the county area in terms, because it's more than just the neutering, because um, there's also uh, microchipping and licensing that needs to be done with some of these dogs. So we want to remove as many barriers as possible to get the females neutered. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be making, we'll be putting it, we'll be contacting all the marts, places where people will be that aren't normally on Facebook, because people on our Facebook page they're not the people we're targeting. No. Um, so we will be getting the vets who are out, out in the field talking to farmers every day and they will hopefully be signing up for this scheme. And how, how many um, animals do you think you'll be able to neuter? Well, we're, we're, our target is for 200 because that would equal, equal the amount of puppies that we took in. Um, 
some of those, some of the the, the, the people that have uh, tried to surrender puppies to us as well, we have some of their details and we will be contacting them saying, look, we now have this scheme, join a sign up, get your female done. Mm-hmm. Um, it will be just females at the moment. It's hard to know. We're going to be open for, for we're, we're launching it on Mother's Day, which is appropriate because the whole hashtag thing is, where is the mother? Yeah. Where is the mother of all these pups that are turning up? I mean, they're the ones we want to find so that we can prevent them getting caught again if it was accidental or being consistently bred if it was deliberate. Um, there's no market for puppies now. So anybody who thought that they were going to make a nice few bob by breeding a dog, there's not the homes there. They can't sell them. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, get those dogs in as well if we can. You sent me in a video, so you did uh, today, all to do about Millie, and the video ends with Millie, and it was done by a volunteer, was it? Yeah, yeah, that was when she arrived. She it really would had break her few hours your before she died. Heart, so it would. And you saw the little tail trying to wag. Mm. You could see her, her tummy was all tucked up. She was in, in pain, in a lot of pain. But unfortunately, we've had another case in one of the dog wardens contacted us uh, from City Pound. They had taken in a, a a dog that was um, in in disgusting condition and she was pregnant so they didn't want her in the pound so we took her and um again it was um that volunteer that you mentioned before who took her in and um she went got in the vet thought that she was packed she was packed with puppies and it wasn't looking good she did get into trouble and she had an emergency c section but unfortunately it didn't it didn't they couldn't be saved but she's okay now. She's doing okay. But again, it's another, another. Sorry, like, the pups. It's the never pup, ending. The pups couldn't be saved, no? No, no, they couldn't. And was the mom saved? She is saved, yes. And and her life will now improve. But, um, so it's it's consistently coming at us from every side. You know, so we just there have to no do something let, There is positive. no let up, Marina. There is no let up in this. There's scene. no let up. No, it's relentless. And that's what, you know, I mean, I actually had to take a few days off. I know. Recently, and 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 Dawn has has to take a few days off, and we all have to. I mean, in fairness, the Madra team are so supportive of each other. We really look after each other as best we can, um. But we do all need to try and just close our head to the to the pictures and the and what's happening every so often. Yeah, and just, but the, but the video, yeah. the, I have the video here. It's a, it's I have it on the screen mm. in front of me here, and, and it, I mean. What did they say about a video? But a video is is so powerful, so it is all together. Um, yeah, and that was a volunteer who put that together. It's so um, po- it's so it powerful, uh, and it starts out beautifully. And it it goes about what it's, it's done in pink and it's what about the mothers, and then the mother mm. is there. I'm I'm going to I have the sound down, and then a lovely scruffy. Where's my mother? What about our mother? And what about yeah. our mother? And they're they're in a pen there, and then a skinny dog. What about my mother? And the bones coming out through. Them. What about our mother? And they're in a box. And then poor little yeah. Millie. Look at Millie. She can't even. I know. I know. She can't it's, even. It, it, she can't it's even. Very, but I mean, we have to be, uh, we, you know, as I said to you the last time, mother are very positive. We always try to look to the brighter side of things, but it's now time to hit hard and, and, and remind people of what we're facing every, with every day. I mean, and, and, mm. and how they can help. So there's loads of ways people can help. Yeah. Talk about the neutering scheme. Once it's officially launched, it should be everywhere and talk about it. Encourage neighbours to get it done. Encourage people to start. There's going to be no judgment here. If you haven't got your dog vaccinated or microchipped, it's very possible we'll be able to get that done as well. Depending on our funds, the we uh, the, one of the biggest problems with it, with a campaign like this is the administration. 
and Galway yeah. County Council have stepped up. They're going to do the administration and they may contribute as well financially towards keeping these dogs healthy. Um, so, you know, we were trying to remove any barrier, just bring them in. It's almost like an amnesty. Just contact mm. us. You'll be given a voucher. The voucher will be valid hopefully for about six months and it will com- it will be for the total value of the spay. Wow. And what does it cost roughly to neuter a dog now? Roughly. <laughs> It's, it's a good question because it, it varies greatly uh, dependent on whether you would have a, a, a large animal hospital with a huge amount of equipment and technology or a smaller rural rural vet. So I couldn't say for definite, but we're hoping that we can, that all the vets participating will put a cap on the, on the value of a spay to something along the lines. Well, we have to negotiate this, but I suppose an average cost would be about 150. Yeah. Well, they have to put food on the table as well, and there's anaesthetic involved in this time. And oh, yeah, yeah, the, the, I mean, you know. But hopefully, as I said, we can we can get a, a agree a price with all the vets. We're we're still negotiating. We just wanted to tell people that this is coming down the tracks. So you know, yeah. get yourself ready because we will be contacting anybody that we know to try and get this off the ground. Mm. It's a part. Now, it's, if it's, it's oversubscribed, sorry, uh, Keith. If it's oversubscribed, we will be looking to you can you will be able to give a donation to pay it forward. Uh, we hope to contact some of the corporates that ha- some of the companies that have made money during the increase in dog and pet care yeah. and pet ownership. So there are companies who did benefit from that. So we're hoping to contact them. And if this is successful, we hope to keep continue with it. But today is a positive day. The other day when we spoke was quite negative and quite, and quite heartbreaking, I have to say. That that video didn't help me this morning, to be honest. Uh, just, <laughs> just, just to I'm see sorry. it. And I sh- no, I shed it here. I shed a tear looking at that little Millie today. She didn't deserve t- to be she treated didn't like that. Didn't, yeah. No, and her mother. Where is her mother? Well, like, if the if the pups were in that condition, what kind of condition is the mother in? And yeah. obviously, she's not visible to people because somebody would report it. So she's locked away somewhere. Yeah, you know. God knows and where. God knows where. Maybe these are the things that keep us awake at night. You know, trying to find a way to get through this and try to get through to people. Yeah. Um, Maybe. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna try and and, and and be as inclusive as possible, get as many people on board with this and um all going well, we might continue it. Listen, if anybody can help in any way, you can just go to the Mother website, you can go to their shop with it's Absolutely. Like, like Colin as well, the yeah, wonderful the, people that are there as well. The only for this is in a separate account, so it will not be used for anything else. So if mm. you do want to specifically um uh, support this initiative, it will be kept specifically for that. Um it is in our constitution, so, you know, it wouldn't be a problem for our own donations to go to it, you know, if you've donated to Mazra, but we're using the, the Department of Agriculture grant specifically for this as well. Um, so, fingers yeah. crossed we get a lot of a lot of buy-in. Yeah, and, and you know, Marina's such a nice person that when she did need to take a few days off, she rang me to say, I won't be around for a few days, I'm taking time off. So you have a heart of gold, so you have, as does Dawn, <laughs> and as does that wonderful <laughs> volunteer in Nook uh, really and truly, I mean, you're so uh, Sue, isn't it? Uh, yes, it is Sue. Susan, that's right. Yeah, yes, Susan, yes. yes. So, and, I mean, and Gail, who put the video together. I mean, it's 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 an amazing team. But we're all impacted by this, and we all feel we have got to pull out all the stops to try and prevent this from happening again. I just hope somewhere along the line that she receives some major award of recognition for the work that you do. I really do. I do. We put you forward for president. So the award will be to get people to listen and 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 just. Okay. You know, get over yourself and just contact us and, you know, just 
Get over stop. yourself. Stop. <laughs> stop doing what you're doing and, and, and look at the, 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 the look at dogs as being sentient creatures. They feel pain. They feel emotions. They, they feel emotions when their pups are taken away and they're still full of milk. That mother is upset and traumatized. You know, just... Pull yourself I, I, I do wonder sometimes if people what they're like if they can't if they can look at an animal like that have they no soul to realise that that animal is in trauma like I, I, I can't imagine no. what these people are like well you asked them when you were on air last week to grow up here Lee Roji so we're asking them to <laughs> yeah. I didn't get well. into trouble over that yet so I didn't but anyway <laughs> <laughs> well now's their chance you know now they can do it yeah, just do it. contact us and, and we will help and is the website the best way to go? Or will we give them Dawn's mobile number for the fun of it? No, we won't. I'm joking. But, <laughs> but is, is, well, is, I think all our all our numbers are pretty public at this stage. But yeah, yeah. the website will be it'll be all over the website as well, and we will be um, putting it out there to all your local vets and community um, wardens, dog wardens, everybody. All right, listen, Marina, keep strong, and thank you for what you do on a daily basis and on uh, and on an hourly basis as well. Now, a very good morning to you. Welcome on into today's room. Quick commercial break. If you're an entrepreneur or a young person that would like to be involved in entrepreneurship and end up in Singapore in a couple of weeks' time, stay tuned for that and more to come. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie. A very good morning to you. Welcome into today's programme. Well, we're calling on all Galway-based entrepreneurs um, because the nominations for the 2023 Ernest & Young or EY Entrepreneur of the Year Award uh, is open indeed. I'm joined by Roger Wallace, who's partner lead for EY Entrepreneur of the Year, and he joins me on the line uh, today. Roger, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us today on the programme. Yeah, great to join you, Keith. Thanks very much. Now, who exactly are you targeting? Because we know some of the high-profile people that have gone and have been very successful in the past in this uh, wonderful event. Uh, who, who are you targeting this morning? Sure, Keith. Well, EOI has been around for 26 years, and we take nominations from uh, you know the broadest and most diverse cross-section of entrepreneurs you can possibly imagine. So, you know, really all sectors, um, most sizes of business from... Uh, emerging businesses, businesses under seven years old that are scaling quickly uh, to very long-standing family businesses to uh, Irish entrepreneurial-led businesses who are, you know, doing their thing across the, the, the global markets. Um, so, you know, we're sector agnostic, uh, a lot of technology businesses, but also more traditional sectors, um, you know, such as uh, hospitality, such as retail, consumer products, manufacturing. And of course, in the Galway region, we can't forget and, you know, med tech and life sciences, which is so strong there. And the application process then, is it um, simple or onerous? Uh, it's very straightforward. Um, but of course, I'd say that, uh, the, you know, a, a quick nomination form on EOI.ie probably takes, um, you know, anybody who wants to nominate themselves or wants to nominate, you know, a colleague or a husband or wife or father or mother or, or whatever, it'll take about 10 minutes, some basic financial information about the business, some basic uh, background information about the entrepreneur. And then a couple of people from EY will come and meet the entrepreneur and try and capture the essence of their entrepreneurial journey on a nomination form, a long-hand nomination form. And that's what goes into our, our judges, Keith. And our judges, should I say, are not EY people, it's not me. These are a panel of 12 past winners. It's, it's peer judging, you know, really strong. Some of Ireland's best entrepreneurs who then select 
are finalists in three categories that I mentioned, emerging, established and international businesses. So the fact that they have been on this road, they know what to expect and they know indeed what to look out for the judges then as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the judges have a you know a really good eye in seeing you know the, the creativity, the innovation, the resilience uh, that comes through in the entrepreneurial stories. That it's our job in EY to uh, to capture on paper. And you know, over twenty six years running the program, um, I think we've become good at making sure that we do capture the spirit of the entrepreneur uh, and give them every chance to be to be one of this year's finalists. Uh, and being a finalist really is the prize, Keith. I mean, being a finalist allows the entrepreneurs to join this amazing alumni, which is now over 580 entrepreneurs, you know, a group that employs a quarter of a million people on the island of Ireland, uh, that really strong bonds of trust and trade and mentorship and friendship and investment between them. Now, Galway, we're blessed to have the likes of the Portershed and University of Galway and the ATU as well. And they're, again, I'm not saying we're the best in the country. We, we, we like to think we are when it comes to entrepreneurship. Uh, but we are blessed with, with the strong entrepreneur talent that we have in the West of Ireland. So you should get a very good response to this. We always do. We always do. I think, I think you're right. Um, there is, uh, there's, uh, you know, I don't know whether it's cultural or whether it's nurtured or whether it's nature, uh, but certainly the, you know, the spirit, the vision, maybe some of the bravery, you know, the ability for people to kind of do their own thing, that, that always comes true from the, the Galway nominees and the Galway finalists. You know, if I think about some of our, our past winners, you know, the likes of Pat McDonough, the likes of Porrick O'Kady, and many, many more, they, mm. um, they're building, you know, not only national businesses, but internationally renowned businesses uh, starting in Galway. Yeah, Revive Active were there and many others indeed right across the spectrum in Galway uh, down through the years. But this is a new year, it's 2023. Uh, the website address again, Roger? EOY.ie EOY.ie for further details on that. And again, from a timescale point of view, uh, the application, uh, the discussion and otherwise, when will we have a little green shoots wondering who who will be appearing and who will be involved? Uh, thank you. Yeah, thanks for reminding me on that. So the applications have to be in by 2nd of March. Um, the judging happens really quickly then, and by the start of April, uh, the finalists for this year will be announced. And then the finalists go into their programme of events, which uh, kicks off in Dublin, where we uh, bring them into the alumni group. And that's a, that's a, an award ceremony in its own right. Uh, but the, the I suppose the landmark event this year will be our CEO retreat to Singapore, which happens in May, where we host... Uh, our 24 finalists with um, a whole bunch of other alumni, collectively about 100 entrepreneurs on what will be the largest Irish trade mission ever to Singapore for a whole host of executive learning and uh, strategic thinking, immersing entrepreneurs in a very different, very new market, a gateway to China market, which, uh, which they'll enjoy, but will test them in equal measure. Well, now listen, I have to think up of an idea myself to, to, uh, to get in a nomination. The thought of going to Singapore for a week would be just wonderful and somebody else looking after me. Uh, listen, good luck with it, Roger. And I, I do hope that you get a good and strong, and we'll, we'll put it up on social media as well, but I ho- do hope that you get a good and strong uh, representation from the West of Ireland, from the Portershed, from University of Galway, uh, from the uh, all the other great hubs indeed uh, here in Galway. And um, it's, it's, we're just really and truly uh, very proud of what we have, but now they need to get their applications in 
and they could be heading to Singapore without me. Roger, thank you indeed for joining us. Roger Wallace, who's partner lead for EY Entrepreneur of the Year. And all you have to do is go to eoy.ie for further details. David Connell joins us now with the uh, kind of Tribune headlines, and it's a very big paper today. Uh, so it is, and he joins you on the line. Dave, morning to you. Morning, Keith. How are you? you were, they're not sending you to Singapore either, are they? <laughs> well, they might, but I wouldn't be coming back, I'd say. That's the only <laughs> difficulty. I never have a problem if I'm looking for a one-way ticket somewhere. It's it's the return journey is my difficulty. <laughs> Listen, today is a full paper, as I said, but your lead story reveals a huge increase in patients' complaints about the emergency department in UHG. Why am I not surprised? Well, I, I give you that, and I'm not either, but up 55% last year, uh, despite the move to the new temporary facility. To be clear on this, these are not just the complaints that people make to frontline staff. I don't mean just the complaints, but the, these are, uh, you know, those complaints are resolved or whatever uh, when they're made. This only refers to complaints assigned to a complaints officer. So during 2021, at the height of COVID, there was 80 official complaints lodged. Last year, that rose to 124. That's an increase of 44 complaints. And as you can see from the the random list of those complaints uh, that we carry, you can see where those problems were, delays and lack of beds, obviously. But Poor communication, lack of a weekend service, problems with respect, problems with dignity. It is, I'm afraid, a very long list. Now, the former mayor of Boston, Marty Walsh, is set for a very well-paid new job. Well, he most certainly is $2 million a year well paid uh, as the head of the Ice Hockey Players Association, uh, which is why he's reportedly leaving uh, Washington and his role as Labour Secretary in Joe Biden's government. It is obviously a massive opportunity, not just about the money, because I think perhaps best of all is that it's based in Boston. And uh, as I think most people know about Marty, his his Connemara connections, uh, his mom, Mary, who's originally from Rossmoke, is still very much hale and hearty but in her 80s and living in Boston so it's a chance to get closer to home and back to his family. He was as you know due in uh, Connemara in particular in the Emigrant Centre in Karna uh, late last year but President Biden asked him to change his plans uh, because there was a threat of a national rail strike in the United States through his intervention and obviously others that strike was averted and I, I think that probably further increased his profile, which may have uh, played a part in him getting this job and a pretty nice uh, monthly paycheck as well. It is, but you know, it's going to be different. I mean, he was mayor of Boston and very effective and I met him a few times there. And yeah. uh, and in the White House, uh, he was uh, effective as well. But then going back into the ice hockey side of things, it's going to be, it's going to be different because he won't have the political connections uh, to open well, doors. he won't, but it also, I mean, it may be a step in a different direction to come at, uh, let's say, maybe higher office down the road. Uh, mm. It doesn't always have to be a straight path on these things. And uh, who knows? He certainly, uh, I don't think we've heard the last of him in in, uh, in the political sphere either. But staying with the White House, you may have found the next man with Galway roots destined for the White House. Well, there you go. He's one of the Laffeys from Galway. It doesn't get more Galway than that. Uh, Stephen Laffey, he's the former mayor of Cranston, Rhode Island. His great-great-grandfather uh, was Michael Laffey from Sun Hill in Menlock. That's according to the Mount Bellew genealogist Martin Curley, who knows all these things. In fact, you may remember uh, Martin uh, established that President Biden's Galway links uh, were in Ballinacorty outside uh, Oren Moore, um, despite the, the higher-profile claims of, of uh, Mayo 
know, and loathed to his roots. Well, you know, to be honest, Steve Laffey uh, might not make it to the final shake-up on this, but he is officially the first to declare his intention to seek the Republican nomination to run for the White House and maybe take out the Donald next year. The Donald Duck? The Donald Trump, sorry, excuse me, of course. Well, the, the Donald should duck because when there's, a, when there's one of the Laffeys from Galway on your tail, uh, you're in more trouble than you know. Absolutely. Now, the Galway hurlers are on the back page of sport as well. I couldn't, I couldn't let that one go, by the way, but I just couldn't. Uh, the, back, <laughs> the Galway hurlers on the back page of sport. Well, they are, with a call-out, if you like, uh, to the Galway hurling supporters to turn out in numbers at Pierce Stadium for the league clash with uh, Cork on Sunday because there really is an ongoing issue uh, with supporters giving the Salt Hill venue a wide berth. It's to do with traffic, it's to do with having to come across the city and it's to do with a, a constant call to have, particularly the hurling matches, I think, in, in, in possibly in Ballinasloe. But as John McIntyre says in this comment piece, it is a chance to gauge the early form of two counties that are showing plenty of that good form. Uh, both won their opening uh, league fixtures last weekend and Galway added the O'Byrne Cup for good measures. So, you know, it's a mouth-watering game in, in a, an excellent venue in the heart of the city. So that's his call on that. Other than that, uh, the footballers' defeat at the same Pierce Stadium venue uh, is covered, as is the blow of the injury uh, sustained by Damien Comer last weekend. Uh, plenty of coverage, I have to say, as well, on the college's hurling finals uh, over several pages uh, loads of junior and school soccer as well not to mention plenty of coverage of last weekend's Galway rally all in the sports pages and what else have you got in a full kind of tribune's horny yeah, loads in there, Keith. Um, uh, great pride in Lettermallon uh, singer Jennifer Connolly, or Connolly as as she's known on stage, who came so close to winning the chance to represent Ireland at Eurovision last weekend. Uh, I have to say, without any bias, uh, she was the pick of the crop. Uh, two pages of court. Uh, they're the pages you don't uh, want to feature in unless you're a judge or a solicitor. Uh, a lovely uh, feature on the Phila Raftery, the blind poet, and his grave in Killeenan. Uh, Pat Short and his daughter, Faye talking about their show simply called Well. Uh, that's at the Galmont uh, this Saturday. And there's a couple of pages of great picks from Mike Cullen and their Ross and Ari, their spring race uh, last weekend, which uh, dusted off the, the bank holiday cobwebs in some style and raised I hope a small fortune for the ladies footballers out there as well. So two pages yeah, of the, that. The, the, the uh, front page pick of Porter Goats there, which is saying <laughs> about, about to start them. And they're, they're well clad now. They're well ready to go. And just in the yeah, back the follow the, the follow up to that picture was when Parik was trampled to death uh, as uh, he's standing. Uh, I mean, you do not stand in the front of a race of my Cullen lads coming towards you. Uh, I would say from experience, but uh, he certainly they got the crowd out and they were very well behaved. They were waiting for the for the the, the blower to sound before they took off around the the, the roads out there. Uh, it's kind of funny because when I was looking at the front page this morning, I went to try and can, you know the way you do on on the iPad or otherwise you can and the phone you can open up the photograph, but in the background yeah. there's a, there's um. In the background, there's a tractor with a slurry spreader. So whether they're running <laughs> from it or running to it. But he, well, that, that gets you moving in a forward direction to keep ahead of that anyway, well, I guess. There'll be more slurry. There'll be a lot more slurry there. Listen, Dave, we'll talk to you tomorrow from uh, Headford with the Connacht Tribune headlines just coming up to the 10 o'clock news uh, tomorrow morning uh, with City Tribune. But the Connacht Tribune is out since early morning. If you want to pick it up, um, you can do so. But you can do it online, no matter where you're listening to us. And I was looking at some of the stats during the week uh, for this programme abroad, and it's just quite amazing. I would love to visit each and every one of your beautiful homes, uh, but uh, not possible, unfortunately. 
Uh, but yeah, all over. Um, again, just all over the UK, the US, uh, downloads. Uh, for Don't forget, each hour goes up, by the way. So the 9 o'clock hour is up since 10 past 9. The 10 o'clock hour will be up at 10 past 11. And the 11 o'clock hour will be up at 10 past 12. And the downloads from all over the world, from all over the world. It's just quite amazing. And lifts one's heart when one's heart needs to be lifted, I have to say. Quick commercial break. We're back just after these. We'll be talking about the GAA and these cashless gates that's causing some great angst amongst the older people. We'll also be talking indeed about Damien Comer's um, situation, health situation, and more with Paul Bellews next. Stay tuned. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Click and collect allows you to collect your order whenever suits you. Very good morning to you. Welcome into today's program. We welcome uh, Paul Bellew, who's Galway GA Chair, and he joins you on the line for a number of subject matters uh, today. Uh, but he joins you on the line. Paul, good morning to you. Thanks for taking time out this morning to join us uh, today. Morning, Keith. Good to talk to you. I want to start first off about this cashless uh, situation because it's back in the news again where people want to be able to buy a ticket going into the games. Now, you and I have spoken about this and it has really smartened up money coming in, collection, security and all of that type of stuff. But there are some people that are finding it difficult. Yes, there is. And there's two two things to be made clear here, Keith. First off, there's the inter-county side of the situation and then there's the club side in Galway. And just to be very clear from the outset that it's Crow Park policy that all games involving Galway, National League, Championship, are all ticketless games. We have no say in that. We have no input in that. We can't make a decision to accept cash at the gate like last Sunday in Pier Stadium or even next Sunday. Can we make our views known in terms of lobbying on that front? Yes, we can. Um, so just just to be clear on that, we have we have no say on that piece. On the club side, when we get going in uh, in June and July, um, we will have the cash option for um, for OAPs and for students. We have one turnstile at every every um, uh, match. Keep that people can go in and pay that way. And I think I told you before, there's about a twenty percent, eighty percent split now, where twenty percent are playing cash, eighty percent are paying uh, are buying online. Uh, we'll continue to provide that service this year. So that's just a, a demarcation that's important to point out for for some of this debate. It is, but it, so Crow Park policy says that it has to be done this way. And where does that money go? So once somebody taps, does it go into Dublin's account or does it go into the Galway account? It goes in, it goes in nationally and basically the share of the uh, gate receipts comes out later in the year. So it's all collected by Crow Park. And you have no say over that. End of story. End of story. Um, we we are not prepared to take cash. We don't have the facility. Everything is scanned in with the tickets now, and we can't just open a style and and take eighteen euros off off punters next week if we cho- if we chose to do so. Um, we'd be we'd be in hot water, I suppose. But you know, we've had situations in the past whereby you know you had the mobile vans outside where they could take cash, and you know maybe that is the happy medium for a while. I think from Crow Park's point of view, the fear is if they start doing that, the people that have the 80 or 90% that are buying online um, keep they'll just revert to uh, coming up on the day and that raises capacity issues you don't know the crowds you're going to get it impacts stewarding so there's a lot of reasons why why that is the case there is but I can also see on the other side I can see Crow Park first off it tidies the whole thing up and it, it puts in financial controls that to be honest without COVID uh, happening it wouldn't happen in 20 years what has happened in, in relation to ticketless so I can understand that but then you have the unfortunate then that can't 
that has the money in the pocket and doesn't have the card. So th- they're going to have to start relying on friends and family and others uh, to get into the game. You know, that's, that's absolutely the case. And that's why we have put the facility in under matches that are under our control. We'd never see anyone stuck. And as I've said, we've incentivized it um, whereby to discourage those that aren't maybe older or using the internet that they get it a little bit cheaper than those that do rock up on the day to encourage best practice, as you say. So on the inter-county front, maybe that is the other happy medium as well, that that you are allowed by cash on, on one facility, but um, that that's a bit more expensive if you're not in that uh, older age bracket. And as I said, I think them, that's been represented to Crow Park and I think there is a bit of a growth um, in in that area. Would I would I be optimistic that that's going to make a change, Keith? Uh, I don't think so. That's my own yeah. take on it. Um, as you said, COVID has changed everything in that regard. So I think it's, it's a wait and see. But I do know, and I've seen this at the weekend, you know, people that are rocking up uh, to Pier Stadium and there was a few at the weekend, you know, they were been helped and facilitated by some of our stewards outside uh, to get tickets. I think that that spirit is still alive in the GA. So I'm I'm not too sure how many are getting turned away as as regular as as maybe made out. Um, if you brought this to Congress, could it be changed in some way, or is it as well just to leave it as is? Yeah, well, it's 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 not. I suppose it's not even to bring it to Congress. You're just making GA aware of it. It's not a yeah, rule yeah, yeah. Uh, per se. You can't change it by force of will. It's policy from from the finance department. I think so. But you know, I I'm, I was aware of you of the lobbying that's going on at the moment, and I think that's effectively the only way that it will change. And I think ultimately it'll come down to the finance chiefs in Crow Park whether they they bend on it or not. Well, I can. I mean, we all have heard anecdotal. Uh, when you were a child, now I'm talking about, uh, of, you know, the receipts coming into the gates and they were lodged and all that type of stuff. Uh, but it was laborious, so it was, and it did leave it open to, to fraud in, in some ways. So this is a cleaner way of doing it. So look at its policy, that's it. Otherwise, if it's within your club side in June and July, you will have cash facilities. Can I just yes, go to, we will. Can I just go to Damien Comer's situation? And we wish him well. And um, it was, we, we were hoping against hope that this would come out well, he's doing better than expected. Yeah, the news is much more positive than I think people uh, feared at the time. You know, the league, we're going to get a lot of bumps and we're going to get a lot of injuries and the only hope is that they're not too serious. In the in the split season, Keith, in particular, it's a condensed season in intra-county. If you get a very serious injury, the ability to come back and recover is very limited. So anything I think that's in a six to eight week period, um, it'll be a massive loss for the league, but you you take it, I guess, is, is the best way to put it. So uh, it's tough for Damien. He's, he's flying it at the moment. Moment. he'll be out for a couple of months but the main thing is if you were told you'll have him back for championship on the 22nd of April um, you'd have been taking that all day long and it looks like that'll be the case now Good, good, good and uh, I mean it, it looked very painful uh, watching him back uh, on the, the video um, it, it looked painful but thank God it's and I suppose when somebody's taken off the pitch in a, in a stretcher you kind of hope for the best uh, moving forward but it's, that's good news so can he rest now? He will. He'll have a lot of rehab to do. Um, sometimes that's tougher than than training. You know, he'll have to spend a lot of time in the gym. But as I said he's the best of the best around him from a, an athletic development and a medical point of view with the team that's with him. So he won't be resting too much. He'll be doing a lot on his own. Um, but he'll be working hard to get back. So um, yeah, maybe maybe the break mightn't do him any harm. 
All right, well, we wish you well, uh, Damien, so we do from there. Can I just uh, talk to you briefly about the Sigerson Cup? Because, I mean, you've got you've got dual players and they're playing in the Sigerson and they're getting injuries and then they're going back to their clubs and that. Is that something that can be streamlined or maybe changed to another time of year? Yeah, it's the last wrinkle, I think, uh, in the split season. It's definitely a massive issue. Like, it's the Fitzgibbon as well. For example, University of Galway are playing tonight and Galway are playing Cork on Sunday um, in, in the Hurling Keith. And yeah. we have uh, in 10 or 11 people involved. And, you know, can we put those players out again on Sunday for the full game? No, we can't. It, it is the last remaining conundrum, I think. Um, is, it, is it a question of getting rid of the pre-season competitions and maybe pulling back that I, I think I think there needs to be something done on this front because it is something that does contribute to injuries as well you know um, yeah. it is a major factor it's unfair on players and as I said it's probably the last remaining challenge we have on, on the fixture schedule point of view I would say it is because the college is not moving to say before Christmas or, or otherwise and just just to give a bit of space because you're not talking about a leisurely sport here now in, in, in either discipline by the way I mean it's it's foot to the floor constantly they're very fit and and if they get injured, then they're lost to their county. Yeah, they are, and 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 like we've we've seen that as well on our own side with with Rob Finnerty, a big big loss of what he was for DCU. Um, the before Christmas piece, I think there's a traditional piece in exams and things like that. And I know certain colleges go to a different time of year, but we have to remember why people are in college in the first place too, and that that takes precedent also. So you're between a rock and a hard place. But I, I think I think it's probably more incumbent on the GA uh, to to be more flexible, Keith, than than the colleges. To be fair to them as well. Okay. Okay. Finally, the um, senior club All Ireland final badly handled. Uh, unfortunately, it is as it is now. They've withdrawn their uh, objection, but I hope lessons have been learned from that. Yeah, I think lessons learned communication. I always say it. Uh, I've spoken to you about this before. Sometimes you mightn't have the best news, but it's always good to come on. And if, if things aren't the way. Uh, even if it's bad news come out and communicate it I think there was probably a little bit of a lapse on that um, I would have some sympathy in that there is rule book there there is procedures to go through I don't think that was communicated very well to the general public and I think it got out of hand but Keith there's certain things we say cliches like no in situations if ever there was a no in situation uh, this was it there's, 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 there's only losers in this one I think yeah, we've lost a lot of Galway players to Dublin clubs as well, so we had so. Yeah, I think we, we there needs to be something done on this. Paul Bellew, thank you so much for joining us uh, today on the programme and a very good morning to you. That's Paul Bellew, uh, Galway Chair uh, of the GAA, and our thanks to him for joining us uh, today on the programme. Now, I want to change subjects uh, briefly today because some good news coming in uh, when it comes to funding for Galway City. Uh, certainly, I want to go to the Mayor of Galway City, uh, Mayor Clodagh Higgins, because she had some great news for me earlier on this morning. Mayor, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, Keith, and good morning to your listeners. Thanks for joining us uh, today on the programme. Some good news coming in from uh, some government colleagues of yours, indeed, uh, overnight. Uh, that's right, uh, Keith, and thanks uh, so much for having me on this morning. Um, just in relation to uh, the Urban Regeneration Development Fund, Minister Darrell O'Brien has um, 
has written to me confirming that uh, the, a fourth, uh, fourth round of the fund will become available uh, for applications later in the summer. A third round is actually live now in relation to um, vacancy and dereliction across um, uh, Ireland. But the fourth round is really an interesting fund in the sense that uh, I think there's a lot that could be gained in Galway in relation to it and in particular in Sawtill. And I guess those of you who wouldn't be uh, familiar with the fund, it was essentially established to support more compact and sustainable development through regeneration and rejuvenation. And Galway has been very fortunate in the sense that we've done well out of previous funds. Um, in, back in 2021, I think we were. it was announced uh, that we had received 53.24 million and that was for a range of projects. So it can be a substantial envelope of funding that is available under the URDF. And what I think is uh, like, it's a really, really good opportunity for the likes of Sawtill um, to benefit from this fund this time, because it's so specific in the sense of uh, what it's, uh, um, what it's setting out to do. Um, the minister has said that it's in, that this stream of funding is intended to transform key areas of our cities and towns. And I think that Sawtill could really fit into that. Um, I guess, you know, I've often referred to Sawtill as a diamond that just needs to be polished. And I think yeah. that we really do have a great opportunity here to, to avail our funding. And I've already spoken to the chief executive in relation to Sawtill and um, uh, looking at how, how we can, I suppose, uh, maximise the benefits um, from this fund and prioritise Sawtill uh, with an application. Because we all know that Sawtill isn't just for Sawtill people. It has such a broad appeal Absolutely. in the sense that, yeah, the Absolutely. county and, and well, so forth. And so, I mean, when is it going to go live? And who will be doing the, do you apply to Galway City Council? Uh, can there be a workforce or a working group put together to advise people uh, the best way to apply and be successful? And that's it. Uh, Goa City Council um, will be the, the people that will be applying for the fund. But um, I think it's really, really important that uh, over the coming months that uh, we meet with residents and businesses in Sotil. And I most certainly will be facilitating those um, meetings in order to hear the community's ideas in relation to Sotil. But I think um, what's also vital is that we incorporate a short and medium and long term vision for the area as well. Yeah. And I think that there's so much that we can do here in Sawtill. And I know not saying that, um, that a lot hasn't been done. I know over the, the past couple of years, we ha there's been a lot of investment in Sawtill in regards to, we'll say, lighting behind the golf club and new seating on the promenade and, and so forth. But um, this really could be a significant envelope of, of funding that um, is uh, potentially uh, available for Sawtill in order to redevelop um, Sawtill and rejuvenate it. Um, essentially. Can I ask you very briefly, could Leisureland benefit from this? And that's it, uh, Keith. There's a lot there. You could secure funding for the redevelopment of Leisureland. Um, it would be fabulous to see a conference centre, music hall or something. And you had already had us on the show in relation to um, uh, expanding the vision for yeah. Leisureland and, and the park next door. But also we could look at, at a better connection between Sawtill Promenade and the village and indeed the Tidal uh, Pools project and just upgrading the promenade itself but there's so much 
that can be done in Sawchill, but it's really important that we look at um, speaking with the residents and indeed the businesses okay. and hear what they want, what the community wants in relation to Sawtill. But uh, as I said, it's it's an opportunity for us and I've asked uh, the chief executive okay. to, to look at Sawtill being prioritised um, with regards to submitting an application okay. because, as I said, we have already um, secured funding for various areas in the city okay. like Wookiee Regeneration Project through that fund in previous rounds. All right, Mayor, thank you for joining us today. We look forward indeed to hearing about those rounds. Uh, let's head towards the Galway BFM news desk for the 11 o'clock news and death notice. Stay tuned for that and more to come. Galway Talks, in association with Tesco. Find our award-winning Irish ranges in store and online at tesco.ie.